What's up, everyone? On our play for today, we talk about the highs and lows from PlayStation from this past week and finally get an answer to why Last of Us Factions 2 was missing. We learn from Square Enix about the inner workings of console deals and what Xbox is lacking. And it turns out Zelda Tears of the Kingdom took a year of polishing. All this and more in Season 7, Episode 21. Can you do something for me? Of Press X to Start Gamers Digest. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, DJ, a.k.a. Sexy Bad Choices, a.k.a. I got me in my ear, a.k.a. All of us arise, Ravens, because this year, nah, we'll see. This year's going to be a banger for me. Next year's going to be a banger for me. I got all my classics coming back, and I'm so happy. I am joined by Sean M.F. Ross. What does the M.F. stand for? Vengeance! <laughs> We'll explain later. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Last up but not least up. Hey everyone, it's me, Avery. Hmm. How you doing, Avery? Uh right here or there. Okay. It's complicated. Okay. Hopefully more here than there. Alright. Now you know who we are. Press X to Start Gamers Digest is a video podcast that condensed the most important gaming news from this past week into an hour-long meal just for you. We are live on YouTube every Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the best standard time. What's up, YouTube? Let's get it going. Oh, actually, before we get it going, don't forget, you can support our services, our energies, by liking this video, subscribing to the channel, hit the notification bell. If you are listening, we'd greatly appreciate you leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast service you are currently tuned in on. Hmm? If you want, you can join our conversations at going to our Discord by joining at press x number two start dot com slash discord it's like the the normal slash not the reverse slash anyways now that we've got that done we got all the way you can hit all the stuff do the things let's jump into the gaming news avery what happened this week uh it was a really big day for playstation and like every bad roller coaster the high was super high and the low was super low. So um, let's jump into uh, our first bit of news in that there was a PlayStation quarterly business meeting. Uh, I believe was it quarterly or well, there was a business meeting 2023. It was all of Sony. Like it was every factor of Sony coming together and talking about their individual businesses. And uh, Jim Ryan and Herman Holtz came out to give a presentation on PlayStation, its current path. It's uh, it's current successes and just a postmortem on everything that is going on. And straight up, business has been good for PlayStation. Uh, the actual presentation you can easily find, and it's got a, a lot of interesting information about everything going on with PlayStation. And they're having success on pretty much every metric. The PlayStation Five, which we already knew was a great success, is now on pace to outsell the PS4. They're doing pretty well in the PC games market, despite the, uh, let's say, the poor performance of The Last of Us Part 1 on PC. Uh, they claim that VR is doing super well. Uh, that's what we got out of this. They're saying that it sold, in comparison to the first VR unit, 600K. There have been other reports that that 600K has dropped significantly since there. 
and they only pick the first week to get that big number to show success. Uh, the, one of the big things we got out of this is that their focus on multiplayer games, or not multiplayer games, but live service games, is going to be a massive part of their business going forward. So much so, and this is something that I'm having a little difficulty parsing, is that uh, 2019, live service was 20% of their market share. 2023, they wanted to be 40% of their market share. And in 2025, they wanted to be 50% of their market share. Now, I've heard some people interpret it as they're not taking focus or resources away from single-player games so much as that they're adding 50% on top of what they would normally do, but I'm reading it as of their marketing budget that they have now, that 50% is, is relatively equal. I think what the interpretation they're starting to say is if they make a billion now, they want to make two billion by 2025, and one billion going to uh, uh, live services, and one billion going to single player games. Uh, yeah, this was the start of my high. Uh, wow, I'm expecting a lot of big things for PlayStation this week as we've got a showcase coming up and so forth because they came with a lot of information. Uh, there is one page that I found very interesting is that. It's page nine of their document, and it says the strongest gaming brands, and it shows the momentum mm -hmm. of all of consoles. PlayStation is the only one that's identified, but there is a red and a green console that is called Brand B and Brand C. It's very obvious which brands are both, and Brand B, doing pretty good. Not as good as PlayStation, but doing pretty good. Brand C, at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, I'm not going to... You all look at it, and you'll say which brands they are. So yeah, they're doing really well uh and yeah interesting yeah it's like looking back at last week like uh this got us all hype because just like all right well playstation's doing good they must have got something to show to like even reinforce this so like you know we were getting hyped over this whole showcase thing expecting for greatness but unfortunately yeah an addendum to this business thing is that during this same business meeting this is a story from Game Rank from uh, Dennis Patrick. Sony potentially looks to ramp up studio acquisitions. This is a fucking weird story because it took me a long time to parse it because it's not yeah. a bunch of people were reporting it as a PlayStation story, but it's fundamentally a Sony story talking about how they want to spin out various parts of their business to get cash flow in order to uh, get acquisitions. And a lot of people just, because they said entertainment, a lot of people just said, oh, this is a PlayStation story. But fundamentally, they only indicate what part of their business this money is going to. We do know their acquisition funds, especially now, are probably less uh, cash rich as it was, especially now after a couple of acquisitions and investments from PlayStation. So there is reason to believe that they are in the market to continue marching to the beat of the drum that Xbox has set off with their acquisition three to uh, acquire more. But it doesn't really necessarily indicate what PlayStation is doing. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I don't, I don't know what's in their uh, bag, but who could they possibly uh, need to buy now? Well, I think if they're smart, they will continue with the smaller acquisitions, especially for like in the area of the PC developers and so on and so forth, because that is really the issue that they're having in terms of getting their games from console to PC. So that would be a thing that I would think. In terms of a bigger acquisition, there, there's always the whole Square Enix of it all, but we're going to get into that. And it, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know 
Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just don't know about that. But yeah, in terms of this whole like acquisition stuff, it's one of those things where it's just like, all right, they're ramping up. Let's see what they go for to actually be able to really like, you know, get an idea of like what their direction is. They bought Nixes for PC ports. Yeah. And Nixes, the ports that Nixes has made are relatively high quality. It was the Iron Galaxy deal they made for Last of Us Part 1 that was the big problem that now Naughty Dog has to deal with going right. forward. So I don't necessarily think they're going to invest more in PC ports, if that makes sense. And there was also a report uh, earlier where Jim Ryan pretty much said that, for the most part, PlayStation first-party games aren't going to come out day and date anyway. So they don't even need to... Uh, from, oh, really uh, rush. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, rush yeah. to have like multiple studios out there. The Square Enix of it all, I've been singing this thing since fucking 20, since I came back to this podcast. I'm like, yeah, this is probably what they're going to do. And everything has indicated that they're probably going down their path, both by moves by Square and from Sony themselves. There is a piece in this uh, report where they were talking about how they wanted to have a, two to three major releases every year, and they wanted to have a major release from every category. And I will continue to beat this drum that. They're going to have a bunch of shooters. They're going to have a bunch of uh, action RPGs, open world games, things like that. But they aren't going to have a suite of traditional uh, JRPGs and turn-based things and sort of things of that nature and like traditional character action stuff. And Square would easily help them fill that hole and make that make sense to me. Uh, there's also the Capcom of it all, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think Capcom has gotten to a place where like they are now too attractive as a multi-platform publisher to really have PlayStation put the money to it. In terms of smaller studios, we will get back to the arguments of inorganic and organic uh, uh, acquisitions. Microsoft has made a lot of inorganic acquisitions uh, that we're still have yet to see the fruits of. And PlayStation, for the most part, has made a bunch of organic acquisitions of people they've worked with over a long period of time or people they're currently engaged with. PlayStation's in a weird place right now, though, so we'll talk about that much later in regards to what is going to be the fruit of those acquisitions and whether that will burn them going forward. But yeah. Uh, I don't have a wish list right now of uh, studios to play through acquire. Like I said, I'm very much in the mindset outside of the Square thing. Uh, I'm very much in the mindset that I only give a shit about organic acquisitions, so people they're already working closely with, and like corporate consolidation and acquisitions are just not my bag. Yeah, well, not exciting right now for me anyway. So like I, I'm not sitting here talking about like, oh man, they should buy Remedy. Like there's no long-standing relationship with Remedy, and while Remedy would bring games to them that I care about, I don't see the business uh, of math to make that make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to our next story. This is from IGN.com. This is from Logan Plant. PlayStation Showcase 2023, everything announced. So yeah, we did a live reaction to the PlayStation Showcase, so if you want to see our general reactions to things as they came about, and uh, our post-mortem breakdowns of things we saw, uh, it's out there, but before I get into the meat of this, was Real there quick, any game? Just to give people even clearer direction of where you can go, literally just go to our YouTube page, and it's the first thing on the page. It's right there. Um, searching, you know, just do PlayStation Showcase 2023. Press X to start. Gamers Digest. You'll get, get a whole bunch of other irrelevant people. Just yeah, just go to our yeah. Page. Skip all those people. They're not nearly as cool as we are. There you go. All right, Abby, continue. Uh, yeah, so the general vibe from the showcase was, man, this was a pretty good state of play or a pretty good Summer Games Fest, but as a PlayStation showcase, it was pretty mid. I was of the mindset that this was not a good showcase afterwards when I first lost it. Uh, I've since cooled on that, and I still don't think it was a good showcase, but I see 
like I said, it is a quality showcase if you remove the tag of this was supposed to be a PlayStation showcase. Yeah, I've had a roller coaster of emotions after the showcase went down. Uh, I think on the Discord, the last thing I said was like, after thinking about it, I'm a little bit higher on where I left on our actual reactions that was recorded. Um, since then, I have become a little bit more negative. So I am probably back to where I was when we actually reviewed the showcase live. And yeah, as Eric said, it's just, I think this is suffering from us watching PlayStation change direction in terms of what they want to show us and what they think is important to show us. And I'm pretty sure the showcase nailed it for a certain demographic of viewers, but the demographic that grew up on Sony probably feels very much similar to how we feel in terms of like, it was a lot of shooters. It was a lot of colors, but there wasn't really anything of substance other than the Spider-Man trailer that showed the extended gameplay at the very, very end of this hour plus long showcase. And the stuff in between was either okay to like, I guess that's interesting. And that really sucks when you put the tag of showcase on this and the idea of PlayStation loosely defining what a showcase is versus a state of play and looking at this like, oh, this is like a really extended state of play versus a really good showcase. So it just sucks. PlayStation didn't do a good job with this. I hope all of our like ragging on this and like not being happy with this influences PlayStation in any way. And like, as Avery said, with the first story, PlayStation's doing great. PlayStation's on top. So really and truly, they don't have to do anything. And it kind of sucks. But there's also the other side of maybe this was just a rough showcase. Maybe PlayStation has more information on these games than we do. And these are actually going to be quality games when they release. This didn't have to be a showcase. They could have just held it together, called it something else. This is like four state of places were there. How many exclusives were there? Uh, there are only four. Well, of studios owned by Sony, there were mm. only three showed up, and there were a total of five games that are like first-party exclusives shown, and there were at least thirty-seven products reveals at that showcase. Yeah, I'm fine with them being multi-platform, but uh, it didn't have to be a showcase. This is just like when um. Microsoft does those world premiere shits, and but they're multi-platform. It's it's kind of annoying when they do that. Well, I, here's the thing: I generally liked it with this vibe. In that, one of my big issues when people do the world premiere exclusive things is there's always a caveat. There's always I need to go look up shit to make sure to see where this is going out afterwards. Here, for the most part, I was pretty clear on what everything's exclusivity was after really? this. Yeah, like there was not a game here that I saw that I'm like, oh man, it's definitely coming to only PlayStation. Except if it had a PlayStation thing in front of it. Oh, I guess I didn't take it that way because I just looked at like, oh, I guess the majority of these are going to be some kind of console exclusive thing. And then the Xbox, their Twitter thing. And I was like, oh, guess not. Other than like the games that I knew, like Dragon's Dogma, like I knew that's not going to be exclusive. And like the uh, Phantom Blade Zero, I I thought that wasn't going to be exclusive. So like, yeah, it was confusing yeah. for me. I guess I, I'm a little different where like existing in this industry as, you know, as long as we have, 
them doing like world exclusive, world console exclusive or whatever, worldwide tour dates. I got the sense of like, okay, well, world exclusive means like this is just an exclusively shown trailer, but it's not necessarily exclusive to the console. Like I, I understood those terms at this point because they've been using it consistently. Whereas like this, I guess the PlayStation Studio would be like, okay, this is an exclusive, but it's not, I guess for me, it hasn't been used enough for me to look at it and understand it in that way. I, I was just generally, I'm not going to say hip to it, but I was just like, I, I have seen. No, you can these, be hip to it. Like, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I've seen these type of trailers for so long at different showcases and found them all disingenuous that this was the most clearest to me after like the first 10 where I'm like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing here. Mm. And I'm like, in my head, it's like, okay, unless they put a PlayStation Studios thing in front of it. Um, mm. And even a couple of them ended with, hey, this is going to be on PS5 and PC right. and things of that nature. But yeah, uh, this is a story from BGC from Tom Ivan. These games feature the PlayStation Showcase are coming to Xbox too. So what Xbox did during this entire showcase was put up a graphic and then update that graphic with every game that was shown at this showcase with what games are coming to Xbox. So Immortals of Avium, Ghost Runner, Marathon, oh, we'll talk about it later, uh, Metal Gear Solid, uh, Delta, Dragon's Dogma, Alan Wake 2, The Plucky Squire, Teardown, Assassin's Creed Mirage, Neva, Cat's Quest, and The Talos Principle. These, uh, 12 games are all coming to Xbox as well. So that got mm. to the weirdness of this showcase of like, oh man, you guys showed off 37 games and then you only showed four first party games that are coming to this console. And of those four that you showed, only one of them had gameplay. Yeah. That's... There was choices there... made and just yeah. not good choices. Not good choices. I fundamentally think that PlayStation is happy with this showcase. Yeah, I think yeah. they saw the showcase and like, oh man, we were coming with the heat. I think they were bullish on the fact that people have answers to questions. That's my big issue with the showcase. Like, this was a random showcase. I would have had no problem. But this is a showcase in the vacuum of two years without a showcase. Uh, God of War and Spider-Man 2 being the last games of the previous era of games that we knew you were working on. And now there's just question marks going forward for the next couple of years. And most of your studios have had enough time to be on deck and ready to at least show something. Yeah. I have to wonder if they just didn't want to take any of the fire off of Spider-Man 2. I hate people saying that they're holding something back. But we're this close to Spider-Man 2. I guess they didn't want to cause hype for too many other things. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I don't. Sony is more prevalent to hold shit back to uh, allow their big guns to talk about. Because, like, remember, we saw Spider-Man 2, like, two years ago, and they didn't talk about it even last year. And the only thing they wanted to talk about last year was God of War. That makes sense. But, like, the issue with that is, like, we knew Spider-Man was coming. Now, 2024, we don't know what's coming. We don't know what Ben is doing. We don't know what Naughty Dog is doing. We don't know what all of these studios within their network of the PlayStation Studios are doing. So there's literally nothing after Spider-Man to get hyped for the PlayStation as a PlayStation fan. But before we move on, were there any games that were highlights to you from this showcase? So actually, before we talk about that, I, I, I do want to interject on something. Um, so this past week, I, cause I, I, I follow a bunch of different other gaming podcasts and just to get like a general consensus of like, what everyone was talking about, how they felt yeah, about be. the showcase. Generally, everyone was of the same vibe of like, this was not a great showcase. I think the only, the only podcast group that was higher than everyone else was What's Good Games. And they're generally like, 
you know, a little lax in terms of like how they feel about things, especially when it's like really negative like this. But yeah, like it was, it was actually pretty crazy to digest that and like everyone just pretty much having the same issues of like, this just wasn't that great. I will say that um, one podcast, Jeff Grubb, he had a very different take. And like when he said it, I was like, that kind of makes sense. And it was like this showcase, like generally when you have a PlayStation showcase, there is games that you look at, they're impressive to look at, and you understand that this is going to take X amount of time to get through. It's going to be a great experience so you can move on to the next experience. Whereas a lot of the games shown at this showcase had the tinge of live service. And we all understand live service that this is a game that you play and you spend all of your time. You're, you're supposed to spend all of your time in this game, right? And to yeah. have that back to back to back, it's just like you immediately look at things like, I'm not going to play that. It's live service. I'm definitely not going to play mm-hmm. that. I'm not going to put my money in that. You jump to the next thing, you're like, no, this is also a shooter. This is a 3v3 shooter. I'm not going to play that. You jump to the next game. Also 3v3 shooter, not going to play that. And it's just like back to back to back to that. And then on the flip side of it, you have the indie games. And we all understand how the general industry feels about indie games. It's like, that's cute. But like, are you really going to spend your time with that? So it feels like, again, PlayStation has visually shifted their strategy. And then they show the one AAA single player game at the end to like, I guess, pull that focus. But it's just, it just doesn't, the strategy doesn't feel good to all of us, essentially. Which sucks. Yeah. I, I just did a little math and of the 37 things that were announced, taking out indie games in general, only 12 were single, not single player, but single player experiences, mm-hmm. which I get that read. I think it's colored a lot by what Sony has been talking about the last a couple of weeks, but I do think that what is giving everyone this vibe is that Sony showed off four games, and of those four games, only one of them was a single player experience, and that colors the entire vibe of everything, and it makes it overshadows all the single player things that they did show off. But like, yeah, this is incredibly negative. Yeah. Uh, so shout out to all the people who say I was filleting PlayStation for the last couple of years. You've got your, <laughs> so, <laughs> you've got your wish, <laughs> but. What what cost? They just had to wait one more week. Just one ah. more week. <laughs> Certain people don't understand that people have layers. <laughs> and <laughs> I can really like a PlayStation thing and really not like a PlayStation thing. It's like onions. I will reiterate this. I remember the early days of this podcast where it was me, the sole person on it, defending Xbox decisions when everyone was like, they don't got no games. Fuck <laughs> the Xbox. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, to get back uh, to go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. yeah. Everyone, what was a positive thing they took away and said, "Oh, this is really exciting for me." Uh, Sean, you want to go yeah. first? Um, I guess just Metal Gear Solid Delta. It's unfortunate the way that Konami and uh, Hideo Kojima parted ways, but um, I'm still excited to uh, play Metal Gear Solid. I never, I never played the first one. They're gonna remaster those or whatever the hell they're gonna do with those. Um, I didn't play five just because it was not. I'm sure the gameplay was there, but I like the CGI cutscenes that, you know, Hideo Kojima loves so much. Yeah. They're there. It's just five is such a bigger game that the amount of cutscenes in five in comparison to four are overshadowed mm-hmm. by the fact that there is like hundred more hours of gameplay in between those cutscenes. I got you. But I mean I'm 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 just a fan of that. I, as you can see, uh 
I played Sons of Liberty or Guns of Liberty, whatever the hell it was called. I think it is Sons Patri- of Liberty. Guns of Liberty. Guns of Patriots, whatever. But I mean, Yakuza had that same vibe where I play some and I got a damn movie, you know, in between placings. So I mean, that's what I was looking for in order to get into five. But um, I'm interested in Marathon. I mean, you know, w- wait, was Marathon the extraction shooter or Fair Games? Yeah. Just to keep this moving quickly, we're just talking about one game. No. <laughs> that will not. Okay. Nah, go ahead. Uh, okay, go ahead. Avery, you can go. Uh, Alan Wake 2. Okay. Uh, I was not expecting to see this game here. I know fucking um, Remedy is making like 15 games right now. I was not expecting to see Alan Wake ready for an October release. Uh, I generally yeah. enjoy Alan Wake 1. As a dude who hates horror games, it was one of my favorite horror games I've ever played. And I'm genuinely excited to see this one. It looks so much like Resident Evil 4. That I'm even more stoked on it. Uh, I finally want to see the end of the story after they made a great game, gave it an insane cliffhanger, and then waited ten years for any. I waited ten years for Control to point out that hey, oh man, uh, everything we've ever done is because of this game. And now I'm, I can't wait for Alan Wake too. Man, I really wish I had the balls to play horror games, but I just don't, man. Because like Alan Wake too, it looked really interesting. Play with the lights on, man. Huh? Just play yeah. with the lights on. And it light. don't make a difference. My thing with horror games is if they're mechanically good enough, then the horror aspect just disappears. Yeah. Okay. Like okay. I'm playing Dead Space, and my character's got fucking 500 ammunition, fucking powered mm-hmm. armor, and like 10 health packs. Yeah. Like there's few things in this game that actually scare me. Right. So I can yeah, work my way gotta, through. If you stay ready, <laughs> you're, you're always ready, right? <laughs> ADS the entire game. <laughs> actually, that's how I play Dead Space. Oh, okay. That's oh, how that's I played this with ADS the entire time. <laughs> and I had a uh, Kinesis uh, bone ready to shoot at any point. Yeah. Literally how to play the game. <laughs> Every knows what the vibe is. Okay, okay. No, I, I, I didn't do that. Right? <laughs> 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 Every like, nah, I ain't no bitch. I, ain't no bitch. I was never no, surprised. It, it, was nev- it, was never, it was never a not bitch. Is that like, I've already played this game. I'm not going to sit here mm. and increase the time walking slower while I have something prepped walking around every corner. I have a general idea of how the how enemies spawn in this game, so I'm rarely surprised by combat encounters. It can mm. still jump scare me because the thing does this fucking stupid thing where like there's a lot of backtracking. If you backtrack in an area, enemies wolves newly spawn there. Spawn, it, yeah, they didn't yeah. do that in the original game. So that's always a thing you have to be ready for when you're backtracking. But generally, it going into encounters, like at a certain point, I'm just like. Okay, my plasma cutter is so strong that it will three shot anyone without me having to shoot weak points. Okay. And like, I've never played the original game, so like I'm, I'm having me that either. One. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, DJ. Yeah, so um, if Dragon's Dogma Two didn't show up, it would be Marathon because that's Bungie. I love Bungie shooters, and an extraction shooter made by Bungie is right up my alley. But because Dragon's Dogma Two was shown, it is Dragon's Dogma Two. I am. Woo! I'm excited, boy. Oh, cannot wait. I, you know, I, I talked about it during the actual re- review reaction. So, yeah, you know, dragons, magic, swords. I will give Marathon a try, but I did not like Halo and I barely like Destiny. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't have that problem. Moving on to our next, <laughs> our next thing <laughs> is that speaking of Marathon, Marathon was announced at the showcase. It is probably the most well, Alan Wake 2 is my thing I like. I was most excited to see. Marathon was, for me, the highlight of this showcase. Is the idea that, one, that trailer is slick as hell. 
looks great as hell, sounds great as hell, and is like, I fundamentally think, and we, I'm not going to litigate these arguments, that the best developers of first-person shooting is Bungie. And so if you're telling me I'm going to get like OG Halo current Destiny uh, gunplay in another type of shooter, I'm down for it. I've played a little bit of extraction shooters, so like I'm generally down to see what this type of game is. In the slate of PlayStation multiplayer live service games, this is one of them that I'm willing on just pedigree the studio, giving it a chance, even though it's probably not going to be my bag for the long term. But yeah, they showed off Marathon. Uh, I would agree with about Bungie being like the best like FPS developer. The only thing that's holding me back is that I just love the customization that you have in Call of Duty Infinity Ward, specifically Infinity Ward. So like if they make this marathon where like you can customize your gun, that might take it over for me. Like that might be my thing. DJ spends more time customizing his gun than shooting it. I like you say than looting. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a close second. The, the, big, the most interesting thing about marathon, and then finally the answer to uh, the Xbox faithful who were upset of the Bungie acquisition is that PlayStation and Bungie were speaking at their words. Where they said, "Hey, yeah, uh, Bungie had autonomy to publish wherever they really want. Uh, we bought them more so for their uh, live service ingenuity." Uh, than their IP ability, which is a plus for us. And so Marathon is coming out on all platforms. Yeah. Uh, Bungie is really clear that's going out on all platforms. Uh, whether this is going to be a $70 game, a $40 game, or a free-to-play game is beyond to be seen. But they have indicated that we're not going to probably see a lot of Marathon going forward. They're going dark after its announcement to focus on making the game. Which makes sense. And that's good that they actually stated that. So we're not like expecting it come next year. Like, oh, where's Marathon? Yeah, like the other PlayStation Studios yeah. that are. That yeah, are- uh, speaking of other PlayStation Studios, uh, Haven showed off their game, uh, Fair Games, which is a 3v3 heist multiplayer live service shooter. This game looks so much like Watch Dogs 2 to me that I had to remind myself that Jade Raymond is a creative lead in charge of this studio, and that's why it has giant Watch Dogs vibes, because Jade Raymond is at Ubisoft is responsible for the Assassin's Creed games and the Watchdog franchise as a whole, so it does share a lot of DNA into it. This is a game that had a really cool, slick CGI trailer with a really cool hip-hop song in the background, but it's this is one of those games where, like, if this wasn't me having faith in Jade Raymond to at least make a game that I'm going to think is okay, I would have like, okay, uh, there's nothing for me here. Yeah, I, I like the vibe and the aesthetic of this trailer. I even like the weird, like, uh, impromptu shield thing that one of the characters made by picking up the, like, glass or something. Like, that stuff looks cool. That stuff feels cool. I like design like that. But, like, I needed more out of this because, you know, Haven Studio is not a proven property. Like, yeah, Jade Raymond's on it or in it. But I need a game to, like, understand, like, oh, this is going to be quality. So looking at it, it was like, oh, this is cool. There was no actual gameplay for me to like get a better idea of. So it was one of those things where I'm cautiously optimistic for this game. John, how do okay. you feel about it? I'm interested <laughs> in playing it, but I got to see more. That was all CGI. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, well, at least Fair Game had a really cool slip CGI trailer that gave you an idea of what this type of game is. 3v3 heist game where you're going to be probably, uh, probably like a bit of a payday with hyenas in design in terms of what type of game it's going to be. 
the next game from their most recent acquisition, Firewalk, was showing off. Uh, Concord had a really cool synth background trailer and a really cool in space shit trailer. They said this game is coming out in 2024. I have no idea what the fuck this game is. Yeah. Yeah. Them saying that this is coming out in 2024, I don't believe it. Like, if you don't even have a CG trailer to show what the game is, other than this whole spaceship thing, I find it hard to believe. And we already know that the industry is quite okay with delaying games and pushing them back when it needs it. And yeah. We say I mean, that. As long as it doesn't come out broken. We say that and we exist in the year of 2023 where, hey man, we were sorry for the release of this game and how it came out. <laughs> Our bad. Oh, that's true. He's talking about Golem, guys. We're not even going to bother talking about that game because that game is trash. We saw that it was going to be trash, so no one's surprised that it came out to be I trash. mean, we knew this from the release date. Yeah. I don't think anybody had any faith in that game. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Outside of that, the only other PlayStation things were of first-party quality was Helldivers. Uh, we're going to move past that. We talked about that in the release thing. And Spider-Man 2. We talked about that in the release thing. But... There's also um, Phantom Blade Zero. Like, Phantom Blade Zero is not first party, though. Oh. Right. I think it's going to be PlayStation exclusive. Yeah. But it's not, but it's not a first party thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It says 40 hour story, multiplayer, semi open world. Mul- what is multiplayer? Phantom, Pla- Phantom, Phantom Blade Zero? Phantom Blade Zero. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Developer has screen. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Avery. <laughs> nah, man. I'm like really conscious of time right now. Yeah, I get, you, I get you. I get you. We, we just took an aside to Phantom Blade. The game. I just made a point to exclude from this conversation for for things afterwards. And now we just had a dissertation, not dissertation, but we brought right. it up. Yeah. Okay. So moving oh. on. I'm sorry. I didn't know it was multiplayer. That is terrible. Is that to hear? Continue. Okay, so like I said, it was a roller coaster of a week. It was more like a bungee than a roller coaster because we started really high with mm-hmm. their PlayStation business report, which said everything was going up to PlayStation. Got really low with the showcase in itself. And then we got the bombshell dropped by Jason Schreier of uh, Bloomberg. Last of Us multiplayer video game faces setbacks at Sony. So Jason dropped a bombshell this week of, hey, uh, Sony has essentially pulled back the. Well, I'm going to pull up this story. So this is from Andy Robinson from VGC. PlayStation is using Bungie to rigorously vet its upcoming live service games. So as we talked about previously, Bungie is real big part of PlayStation is to help with the live servicing things. If Destiny 2 is still one of the most popular games in the world, uh, here are some Steam numbers I got recently. It is in the top 10 of Steam at about 1.3 million daily concurrence. So like Bungie, despite it's falling off in terms of like the zeitgeist of video games. They made a a strong live service game that is continually doing better than most live service games at the time. So PlayStation values their opinion. And we've seen the Bungie's uh, hand beforehand when uh, the deviation game was apparently canceled and that team had to face layoffs because PlayStation pulled the plug on that. Well, Bungie came to uh, the Naughty Dog team and took a look at Last of Us Factions and said that this was not up to par. In particular, I believe the exact quote was that we cannot find the fun in what you're making right now. So in response to Jason's bombshell, uh, Naughty Dog was forced to come out with, a, a, I guess, a message and say, hey guys, 
Uh, Last of Us Action, as we all know it, is being postponed and delayed. No, no release date, so there's no real delay, but they're pushing it back in the public mind of where this game is coming back. And we are going to continue working on this game, but everyone be more excited for our next single-player game coming out. So, here, here's, here's my thing, right? And this is kind of what I was trying to get at in our, in our Discord chat. Like, Bungie made Destiny. Destiny is a really good first-person shooter live service game, right? It's hard for me to... I mean, I guess I can see it, but it's hard for me to see how those skills translate over to a third-person, over-your-shoulder, live-service shooter-survivor game, you know? So, for them to say, like... Okay. Here's the thing. We all came into the Last of Us factions when they said, hey, we're not just making a simple multiplayer game. We're trying to infuse the Naughty Dogs uh, Mm -hmm. player to this. Just pretty much assuming that, oh, this is going to be the Division with the Last of Us. Mm. But we all forget that the Division is just third-person Destiny. And that Destiny created a genre mm. that is the only game in that genre successful right now. So I can fundamentally see if the Naughty Dog team, because my uh, reading is that because they wanted to make a Destiny game without having the background to take that undertaking and make it more of just a, our combat suite roll into PvP to build a bigger game that it just, I'm guessing it just fell apart under the weight of its ambition. And the Destiny team saw that and said, hey, this isn't really working in particular ways. And, yeah. and I, I get that. I get that. I just, for them to be like, oh, it's, it's hard to find the fun in that game and in Last of Us. Yeah. I, I look at that as like, well, I guess the combat isn't necessarily supposed to be fun. It's engaging, but like you are essentially fighting for your life you're throwing bricks yeah. at people you're shanking people and yeah, it's like yeah. i don't know if it's just i mean i'm i'm giving them the benefit of the doubt of them being like a successful developer with a live yeah. service game for them saying like oh this isn't fun then they mean it but it's like that's kind of how last of us is it's 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 brutal it's it's okay, violent so yeah we're looking at it from two different perspectives yeah you're exactly. looking at it from like oh this is your last of experience it's gonna be brooding and prodding i'm looking at it from a live service perspective that this isn't just the multiplayer of people versus people it's the yeah. way the game engages you that they're saying it's not going to be what's fun. gonna keep people playing this over yeah. a long period of time and spending money yeah it, it's the okay what am i doing in this world okay how am i engaging with this world because i'm on the mindset that yeah the combat last of us too isn't fun, but that's because Last of Us isn't a fun game exactly. per se. It's really good and it's really engaging. Yeah, and, exactly. and I, I'm confident that they could take that gameplay and put it into another type of game and it'd be fine. But then you get into the world of, okay, what am I doing when I'm not shooting? How am I engaging with this world? What are the design elements? What are the vending elements? All these like live service aspects are supposed to fund into it so this all makes sense. Because like what this sounds like a lot to me, uh, and this is uh, in reference to uh, Redfall, kind of, mm. in that like, People argue that the shooting and combat in Redfall is really solid. good. It's, yeah. it's solid. But then there's the rest of the game around it that just drags it down. And so this could easily be one of those type of situations. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Yeah. It's just when I, when I look at that quote, I guess I'm looking at it from the gameplay's perspective versus like the life service perspective. So it's just like, yeah. it's kind of the point of Last of Us. But yeah, I also, yeah. I also really wanted to see this game because... It was definitely a game that I wanted to play and a game that I know that we would all play together. 
and we'd have to drag Avery in, but he would also play together with us. Right, Avery? It depends. <laughs> if, if, this, if this game is fundamentally like the division, you guys won't be seeing me. I'll play this game <laughs> by myself, and then you'll see me in the end game after I've given up because I don't want to grind. <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah, that was this week in PlayStation. It was a. I'm, I'm gonna keep it a bug. It was a bad week for PlayStation. Yeah. All the goodwill and all the hype and things they built up crashed down to a crescendo and ended with uh, a, a tragedy with that thing. That being said, they have completely disappeared from the video game zeitgeist. Unless there's actually more reporting from other sources, most people aren't talking about the showcase anymore. Which you can think of is they probably a bad thing because they want people to be able to think of this showcase like the Euro Dream showcase or the PlayStation Five showcase. But it is what it is. They're easily going to recover from this as long as these games are good. That being said, the ball is in Microsoft's court to A, have Starfield be a certified banger mm. and have a showcase full of amazing first-party content that, like, literally all they have to do is show more than four games with, uh, with gameplay that are of quality and they will easily surpass what PlayStation put out this yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that the other side to it is that a lot of people who were disappointed with the PlayStation showcase is just hoping that they'll get more information from PlayStation in summer games fest and beyond up until game awards. So like there's also that element to it too. And it's like, well, yeah. Um, yeah. See. I think PlayStation will have something for summer game fest. Yeah, for sure. And they will definitely have something for game awards. Yeah. But like, yeah. what is it though? Is going to be the issue. Yeah. What is it? So that was our week in PlayStation. Uh, yeah, so all the people who were like, we're too high on PlayStation, here you are. Right. It's more than four, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> all right, uh, before we continue with this, hey, like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. Do it. Thank you. Cool. Appreciate it. Uh, if you are listening and you didn't see that, then, you know, leave us a review. Yeah, give us a five-star review. Four-star just make it five. Just add the extra star. That's all you have to do. Yeah, you know, Apple Podcasts or the podcast service you're currently using, it doesn't matter. Anywhere you add, or anywhere you do this review, as long as it's not like Amazon, on like a weird product or something, we'd greatly appreciate it. You can join our conversation by going to our Discord at pressxm2start.com slash Discord, and we'll be happy to have you. Yes. Popping over there. It is. It is. Good time, as always. All right. Uh, let us get back into this. Yeah, okay, so let's move on to our next story. This is from uh, Windows Central, Jeff Corden. Uh, so, like, if our Xbox fans know that Jeff Corden is a big voice in the Xbox community as a member, as one of the lead journalists for Windows Central. Uh, so, this is his report. Square Enix, PlayStation offered a better deal than Xbox for Final Fantasy sixteen. There has been some uh, conversations about exclusivity and uh, everyone's practices in regards to exclusivity. Uh, a lot of Xbox fans have been really upset about big third-party games getting exclusive deals at PlayStation and asking why is this happening. And Jez and a bunch of other journalists did some reporting and found out the reason was PlayStation just offered a better deal. That the uh, Final Fantasy team of uh, Square, beyond their already strong relationship with PlayStation, apparently shot Final Fantasy 16 around even to Xbox, and Xbox just did not provide them with a deal that made this make sense to them. And then PlayStation gave them a deal that made sense to them, as well as offered them uh, developer support for this game so it would run well on PS5. Yeah. With all the money in Microsoft's war chest, what could Sony possibly be offering to all these other companies in the years past that made them not 
make Xbox exclusive games? I mean, I think a big part of it. Oh, go ahead, Avery. A big part of this is that a specifically with a lot of these Japanese games, Xbox's presentation in Asia has just been poor. So, like a lot of companies, like the Atlas team and the Persona team, they just skipped Xbox, not because of like any uh, contracts with Sony, just because oh, they just weren't sure that these games would sell well on an Xbox versus a PlayStation, and they just saved the development on that. And then to a second point, I've harped on this. We've had some arguments about this. But I do think Game Pass is a opponent to the current trend of exclusivity deals mm. because there's no world in which Xbox can have a true exclusivity deal where they didn't put that game on Game Pass, which then would leave a developer from losing a bunch of money on not having that game on PlayStation and then lose even more money to have it on Game Pass and be giving out for free, which would require the price for Xbox exclusivity to be what I believe to be far greater than what this is on playstation i mean they have the money to offer people that you know the the difference in money that they would have made on playstation that they would lose putting it on xbox they could cover that i mean there, there is there has to be something else and no, th- they can cover that well actually no you're correct because it, it, it's I, I think it all lies down to game pass in their current game pass model i think there's also the side of that playstation made this game exclusive it wasn't originally going to be exclusive like Square Enix was shopping around for a contract essentially and I think the other side to this that is said in this article is PlayStation gave Square Enix access to their concept developers and like that is so important when it comes to optimizing a game and making it run well not even that just like troubleshooting like little issues that Square probably is not used to because they're Oh, no, they've had other games on PS5. But yeah, but like having access to that is so important. And the fact that that wasn't in the Xbox contract is just like, yeah, okay. Like if if I was in Square's shoes and I saw that on top of the fact that PlayStation sells so well, it's like, yeah, I'm going to go with PlayStation. They want to make exclusive? Fine. You're going to pay us. Cool. Mm -hmm. That works. You'll pay us for the money we'll lose on Xbox. Yeah. And then... Oh, because this console is the most ubiquitous console right now, we're still going to make a tremendous amount of money on this console being yeah. exclusive. And then on top of that, like the easiest thing is the fact that PlayStation has a strong presence in Japan. Square Enix is a Japanese studio. They can talk Japanese to Japanese. So there's no need for a translator. Mm-hmm. There's no need for a middleman to like having to, you know, interpret the things that are said, possibly mess things up in terms of translation. And it's just a much smoother, much quicker process. So it's like kind of makes sense that they would do that, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone should probably check out this window. Everyone who's an Xbox uh, patriot should probably check out this Windows Central article about this because Jazz has a very interesting take at the very end that I think you all find incredibly interesting. Well, let's move on to our next story. This is from VGC. This is from Andy Robinson. Zelda Tears of the Kingdom was delayed by over a year for polish. The game wasn't released in 2022 because Nintendo wanted to make sure everything was 100% to our standards. Yeah. Although it still struggles in a few places, it still gets the Switch pretty hot. I can see like where this polish went for sure. Because even though this game is running at, I think, 720p in handheld mode, maybe like 1080 nine something at dock mode Mm -hmm. like the draw distance is very incredible like there is a little bit of a haze on everything it's understandable the switch old hardware 
But yeah, I can totally see where this polish went. That's it. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, Tears of Keem, great guys, you know. <laughs> uh, and our last story, this is from Tom Ivan from VGC. Embracer shares have nosedived after the collapse of a two billion deal. So this was one of the most. If if you thought PlayStation had a bad week, Embracer had an even worse week. Like I think this is probably a good week for earnings and business calls because they were having a live stream business call in which the CEO of Embracer had to sort of come out hat in hand after apparently. Hours before this uh, conference went through, he had revealed that, hey, we had a $2 billion deal that just fell apart. And we had built a lot of our company around this $2 billion deal and what we could do with it. Uh, as of now, we have no idea who this company was that pulled out of this $2 billion deal. Uh, no, that made but, them pull out. No, it, it, was, it was a... Embracer didn't end the deal. This other company pulled out. Oh. Yeah, so like, as far as I can tell, Embracer had this deal signed, lettered, and written, and then hours before their big conference, this third party pulled out, and so Embracer had to have a very somber press conference where the CEO was like, oh yeah, uh, things are not going great, guys. <laughs> so we'll see what happens to the Embracer group, whether they can weather losing a $2 billion deal with their like 140 studios. Yeah, like... It's hard for me to feel sympathy here, right? It sucks that this deal uh, fell through for them. But like, as Avery said, they have 140 studios. Like, make a game. Put a game out that's decent. Like, you could maybe not cover $2 billion, but you can cover some of this by just putting out games. But like, it seems like their idea was just to buy and hoard until they bought something that's valuable and someone else comes in talking about like, hey, I want to use that. And they sell this thing to them. And it's like, that doesn't work in the game industry. <laughs> Obviously not. Look at this. So, yeah. Or maybe it does if Xbox is trying this method. We'll see. You know, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah. That's the last story. I do feel sympathy because it's one of those things where, like, if Embracer falls apart, a bunch of studios are going to suffer. That's true. That's a very good point. Yeah. All right. Well, that has been the gaming news. Before we end this podcast, let us talk about real quickly. The games we have played slash beat. I'll go first. Hey, guys, guess what I did? I beat Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and it's about like a seven two five in its best parts, like a six five in its worst parts. I didn't really have a good time playing this game, guys. I, I got through it. Um, I guess spoilers. There are two very, very difficult fights at the very near end of this game. That completely soured my experience with the rest of this game. Um, I didn't do New Game Plus because at the time I was over it. I done deleted it from my console. It's gone. It's a memory now. Uh, yeah. You can um, re-download it. Say what? You can re-download it. New Game Plus. Come I on. could, but I don't think my PlayStation will allow me to do it. Something about my account. Like, it's a weird thing. I got to talk to Sony mm -hmm. about it. We'll see. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be here for, the, for the, the third in the trilogy. I just... I think I'm done. I, this game was going to be... Sounds like you're a quitter. You know what? If I had a pink slip around me, Sean, I'd present it. My two weeks. Put my two weeks. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I, I was hoping that there would be lessons learned between Fallen Order and Survivor that would push me to like playing this game more. There was learnings from it. I enjoyed my time, but it wasn't enough to be like, okay, 
Like, I'm here for this. I'm here for this. The combat is still janky. A lot of this game is janky. That's all it is. Mm. All right, Sean, let us. Oh, yeah, about... just real quick. Oh, um, yeah, I went through that experience in games where you find out something far late in the game just because you were stupid ignoring <laughs> gameplay parts. Um, I'm sitting here walking the entire map of Chia on foot half the time or, you know, summoning a rock. If you smell what the rock is cooking. To roll around. Um, or swimming long swaths of the ocean only to realize I can summon animals to possess. <laughs> Just tragic. I'm <laughs> like 60% through the game. I'm like, oh, you could do this. Here's the thing. Mm. I think in the first trailer of the game you mm. see the main character jump into like a crab or something and mm. jump out mm. so is your issue that you you just realize you can summon an animal to you that you can take over yeah no, first of all crabs are slow um oh, excuse me second of all i was pretty much just walking until i found a bird oh. or something i didn't realize that you can play her banjo her guitar and actually a, a animal will pop out of the ground for you so you can summon a bird you can summon a dog you can summon a like you can when i say summon animals they actually yeah they pop come. out or, or they have an attract animals feature i see i was legit just walking around until i found something to possess that's hilarious and let me tell you there's <laughs> nothing like swimming as a kerosene lantern in the ocean i'll tell you that um but all that is is just gonna speed up my gameplay mm -hmm. um I was just tracking through it very slowly. Like, Jesus. Um, secondly, real quick, uh, we've been playing DMZ. One story, uh, me and DJ tried to third party this group only to get ambushed by a fourth group. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one guy calls for help and we pick him up and all of a sudden this man is talking about vengeance. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but they stripped him of everything. So I give him a gun. I give him some armor plates, give him some bullets some grenades and he, he steals the nearest truck and he runs off into the distance screaming vengeance mm -hmm. and me and DJ was like well we're gonna leave now yeah, but we finished you know our mission let's, let's, let's listen in to see what goes on this man proceeded to kill everybody that uh, <laughs> wronged him <laughs> turns out he was the best player of that team <laughs> he ran off screaming vengeance he got to his team was like you guys left me with this deep southern accent and you guys left me and these men they had the mercy on me to pick me up I was like what is what is going on here but oh man oh no that was just hilarious um the other portion is uh the new added section in DMZ Almazra map called the Koshi Complex. You spawn into this new section and it restarts your timer to a good 30 minutes. And man, this is interesting. Uh, you, you get into this complex and it's very aggressive. They have uh, turrets everywhere. Uh, you get into the next section and you need, you absolutely need night vision goggles to mm -hmm. get anywhere. You, and so, then there's a portion past that. We didn't about realize that, that, about that section with uh, the night vision goggles. Yeah, you actually if you have a thermal scope, you um, can just ADS with a thermal scope and see you're going to walk around, around ADSing. Yeah, whatever it takes, you know. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I did that with, uh, uh, you know, my cousin Savion the other day and we exfil out of that night vision section. But then we went back in with DJ last night only to realize that there was another portion past that with, uh, you know, you didn't need night vision, but it's this place is huge. It's not as huge big as Al Mazra per se, but. It's just this very big underground 
warehouse within a warehouse within a warehouse. And then we ran into what the fuck was it? The the rhino? The rhino and the sniper. So those are two randomly spawning bosses, bosses. Yeah. in the complex that we didn't plan on fighting. We didn't go down there to fight them. They yeah, just shot com- first. Complete. Yeah, but it's it's just interesting. Uh when they put their minds to it, how much new content they can generate past just Diddy yeah. skins for twenty dollars. Yeah. Um yeah, I would check it out. That's all. Yeah. Just to just to add on to that. Like I am really impressed and just awe stricken, I guess, with how much fun I'm having in DMZ. Like I I've been playing solo a little bit, but I do enjoy mm-hmm. playing with teams. And like even if you jump in solo, you can you can do squad fill to jump into a team. You can send an invite in game. Like there's ways of becoming a team even if you are a solo person. As much fun as I'm having in DMZ, uh-huh. there's an issue with a lot of people joining into big teams. So like the teams of six, like that's the maximum team you can have. And that has been ruining the experience for some people because these teams of six are essentially just hunting other people. And because we are near the end of the season, a lot of people have finished their missions and it's just go extract a weapon case or go kill people. And that's what people are doing, unfortunately. So it kind of sucks, but it seems like this is a symptom of how their seasons are ran. Yeah. So maybe they might address this in some way at the beginning of the next season. But everyone's kind of just hoping that they do something because right now the teams of six are just a little, it's a little too strong. Yeah. Like, now I'm, I will just say I'm having fun with this in the manner in which uh, when Modern Warfare first came out, you know, Black Ops, that that era of you know early 2010s uh, Call of Duty, the mm-hmm. the magic is there. In DMZ for me. I'm excited yeah. to play this daily. That's awesome. That's all. all right. Well, that has been it for us talking about games and gaming news. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Don't forget, you can like the video, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell. Don't forget, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or a podcast service you are listening on. Even if you're watching, just download the episode listen to the episode as well see if you can match the video and the audio at the same time do it uh if you want you can join our discord at pressxnumber2start.com slash discord there we have great conversations we do a bunch of memes we do little videos it's a fun time it's a fun time we laugh all the time it's great join it um yeah i think that's it i think that's it you be safe you take care play games peace out Thank mm-hmm. you.